Thank you for downloading this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We pray that you receive encouragement from the study of God's Holy Word and that you will grow in the faith and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. I know we've got a number of our people that are traveling and it's kind of the unofficial end of summer, right? I mean, the people are going here and there, but I appreciate you being here. And I have a topic today that I think is perfect for Labor Day. Why do we labor? Money. We labor for money. Can you think of any better day to talk about money than Labor Day? I can't. No, Christmas maybe with the gifts of money. I don't know. So Labor Day, you know, I, but I want to set this up a little bit. And I'm, I'm telling you the topic is going to be money. And I'm not any one particular thing about money. I'm just going to kind of do a very high level overview of, of money, I guess. But I, I want to share something that happened in my family with my wife and I. We had an important meeting that we had been talking about for actually probably a couple years, and we finally got around to setting the date for something to do, something that was very important to us. And uh, we ended up watching our grandson in the same day, so we thought, oh, let's just bring him to the meeting. You know, sometimes that doesn't work so well, you know. It didn't even dawn on us that it wasn't working well. Until halfway through the meeting, and Leah looks at me, and she laughs, and she takes a picture of our grandson. We decide, let's go ahead and look at the picture. Let's see if you can figure out what we're doing. <laughs> That's right. We're picking out our caskets. <laughs> we're prepaying for our funeral. He's showing us the one he liked. He had no idea what they're for. He's like, look, this is shiny. <laughs> I'm really thankful. God, he's probably not going to remember this. And if he does, then we can say, look, we love you so much, Caleb, that we even wanted you involved in this. How do you describe this? So this does have some relevancy for my message. Imagine this. I really feel like we're breaking him, you know? This is one of those pictures I've looked at on my own several times. I'll go to my phone, my wife sent it to me, and I'll go to my phone and I'll look at it. And I'll think, what were we doing? What did we do? You know, He's going to stop growing or something. So <clears throat> there's actually some relevancy uh, to this. Just, just think for a high level. Just have fun with me here. Caleb's with us at this day because we love him. It's not about us picking our funeral and planning our funeral that really matters so much. Are you with me? We're with him, we're watching him, we're having a nice time with him and, and selecting our, our what we're going to do when we die. I mean, that's something we thought, oh, let's get that knocked out of our life so our kids never have to. That's our thing. It's our, between a husband and wife. So we thought, well, let's just do this and get this figured out. And we've got him with us because we love him. What do we, we love everything about him. We don't love him because he went with us. You know what I'm talking about? We love him because he's our grandson, because we love him. We love watching him grow. If you have children, friends, family members, you love them. You're fr- whoever they are, you love them because you love them. True? True? You love all parts about them. I mean, they may say something that bothered you or may have done something that was hurtful, but you love them because you love them. So I think in an odd sort of way, this makes me think, truly, 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 this makes me think about this message today about money. You know, money is just one facet of our walk with God. It's what, I mean, if we could take a step back, it's actually just one sliver of our life as a human being. We all have to know about money. Don't we? 
And, and it's one of those subjects in churches, people, when they, when they hear about money, I mean, I've seen, there's all kinds of ra ranges of reactions. People will go, <gasps> well, I remember actually, I've actually spoken on money and seen people leave because they didn't want to hear it. And I think, well, now how odd is that? It's one sliver, and God loves us through all of it, even through the ugly discussions about money. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you have talked about money with somebody in your life in the last month? Why can't we talk about it here? Right? Why is it that when, and, and this is not for everybody, but there are some people in church, churches, not, I don't know about this church, churches as a whole, I'm sure, that just don't think churches should talk about money. And they, and they stand off, they're so standoffish about it. What's the big deal? We talk about death in churches. We talk about life in church. We talk about children and child raising principles. We talk about marriage principles. We talk about all of this stuff. What is the big deal if we talk about money here? Are you with me? Okay, so if we're going to talk about money, I want to set the proper, the proper healthy tone for it. We recognize that it's just one sliver of our walk with God. It is not the overarching walk with God. Money is neutral. It's a lot like science. We talked about science last week. Science in and of itself is very neutral. Science is just the research of, for lack of a better description. Money is just a thing. It's our attitude behind money that's so critical, and our walk with God is about an attitude very much. What does our mind say? Do we follow God? Do we believe God? Do we trust God? Do we walk with God? And money might be one of the most black and white things that we have that, can, that can, will demonstrate our heart for God. It might be the most black and white thing we have that would demonstrate our heart for God. But <clears throat> its attitudes are important. Go ahead, Maddie. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. If we're going to talk about money, I think we have to recognize je jealousy and selfishness and envy and these other things that are attitudes that tell us about spending money. And, and jealousy, selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil kind of every evil kind. Job uh, 5, surely resentment destroys the fool and jealousy kills the simple. All right. So we know we've got this idea of what envy is. And, and there's a word envy. Envy is when we want something we can't have. We are envious of it. We want it. We're, we wish we had that. Jealousy is we want to keep what we do have. So I think of jealousy. There are a lot of times, if we look at it in the context of money, people want to earn more money to buy something they don't have. And once they get it, a lot of times they want to keep it. They become so fearful for the things that they have acquired, and the money that they've spent, they become jealous over it, and they want to keep it, and it becomes that keeping can be just as bad as the wanting. Sometimes even worse. I got this much money. This is my money. It's my house. It's my car. That jealousy for those things. So when we think about money, we're thinking, really, what we're, we're thinking about what's our attitude and what we want, and what's our attitude and how we keep. Are we so protective of what we keep, or do we want things so badly that we lose perspective? Matt? A little further, Hebrews 13, and I just want to look in the sliver. So here we see Paul's talking about all of these things and all these directions in life. In the middle of it, he, he makes a really clear statement. All these directions about life, all the things we be mindful of. He says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with whatever you have, whether you want more or whether you've got to give something up. Just be content. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's the big thing about money. It's not about money. 
Yeah? It's not about money. It's about Him. And He takes care of us. And that's a fundamental truth And we're, if we're going to look at money. Now, go ahead, Maddie. I, what I, I started to really... My list was actually longer than this, and I, I started to look at a list of people in the Bible who had money issues, good or bad or whatever, and I thought, well, okay, this is, this is kind of fascinating. So here we have this crowd. Jesus preaches, preaches a parable of a man who uh, really learned that the relationship with God is more than retirement planning. That's a real example that we can relate to today. 401ks, if you've got a 401k, if you're planning for your retirement, if you're retired and you're living off a fixed income, Jesus makes a parable just to speak to retirement planning. The relationship with God is more important than that. Doesn't mean we shouldn't plan for retirement. Right, Al? We should plan for retirement. I think that's a good thing. But relationship with God is more important. Job lost his money and wealth. You know, he lost money. I wanted to put wealth there. Because he really lost his ongoing income. When, when Back then, if they lost their herds, they didn't just lose the ability to sell or trade for when they needed some local groceries. They, they lost their ongoing because of the babies that their herds would have. So to lose all that stuff was quite an abrupt. They lost the potential for future earnings. Um, the man struggled with the idea of giving his wealth to the poor. It's mine. I have so much. It's mine. And they, he had a hard time with that. Paul, uh, who earned money for ministry, this is a fun one to me because I've known a number of people over the years who will say, I'm quitting my job because I'm going to go into ministry. What's your ministry going to be? Well, I plan on just witnessing every day. I want to go to the street corner, and I'm going to take my tracks, my flyers out, and I'm going to share the faith. And how are you going to get money? Well, I'm going to trust God. If Paul the Apostle earned money for his own ministry, let that be a lesson to us. Now, we've got this. We really believe as a church... In this idea of earning money for our own ministry, uh, we've got a couple people on staff, uh, Judy Gavin and me, and that's it. Now we've got multiple pastors, and they're bivocational, which means their time here is funded by another job. Just like you in body ministry. As you're in ministry here, your time in ministry here is funded by another job. That bivocational calling. Paul was bivocational, and I don't think he gets a lot of credit for it. I think people think of Paul, you know, out there writing the scriptures, doing missionary things, but he was bivocational. He had a day job. When he needed money, he would go make tents to provide for his ministry. Uh, Barnabas sold a field and gave to the apostles for those in need. Barnabas, this was Apostle Barnabas. Uh, Barnabas and he, had, he would sell early on in his time, in his ministry with the Lord, he sold stuff and he gave to the apostles so they could distribute. Judas, now this is fascinating to me. This is the same Judas that travels with Jesus. He was the treasurer of the group. When they, tra when they traveled, they got money, they would give it to him, and he would take it. He would also pilfer. Judas the Kuiper. He would kipe the money. Judas the thief. Judas the Ganif. I don't know, whatever description you want to put to it. And they knew. At least after the fact. Zacchaeus offered money to make amends for people he potentially defrauded. You know, Zacchaeus was a, was a chief tax collector, and when he figured out who Jesus was and what that was all about, he actually had the courage to say, if I defrauded somebody, I'll pay them back fourfold. He wasn't so attached to his money. It's a wonderful lesson from Zacchaeus. There's a poor widow. This is the story many of us have heard probably many times over the years. She had very little money, and she's got a little 
small coin, but she gave what she had. And that small coin, we know the, the scriptures make that very clear, that was greater than somebody who has a lot of money and gives just a little bit. I mean, she gave all that she had. The good Samaritan, here he is taking care of somebody who's not even of his clan, who there's animosity with, and he puts money on the table to take care of this person. Solomon, later in life, he's filthy rich, ridiculously rich, and he says it all means nothing. You know, these are people with real money challenges, and they had real mindsets about money. And we can look at them, we can study any one of them, and we can get probably one or two of them we relate to in some way, shape, or form. I, I remember the time that my parents were fabulously rich, like Solomon. And I said, oh, it doesn't matter. But we probably, there's probably something in that story that we can identify with. And there's more people. All through the Bible we see these people that go through these money angsts and woes. And, and sometimes these epiphany breakthroughs that the, the Spirit leads them to this understanding of how meaningless money is. Now, there's nothing that would go on in this house today with money in your lives that probably somebody in the Bible hasn't already demonstrated a proper response to. Go ahead, Maddie. So these money principles. These are a few. You know, the, the problem with looking for money in the Bible is there's so many people who struggle with it, and there's so many lessons in the Bible about it. It's well over, well over 500 verses there's, there's more talking about money a lot of times than there are verses on hell. It's a powerful subject in the Bible. And again, and this is something of an aside, but how do we not talk about it here? If it was important enough to the Lord to talk about it, we should talk about it. Okay, but I'm, I've repeated that. Some biblical money principles. Avoid debt. Now, I'm going to walk through each of these bullet points just quickly like the last slide. But I want to say these because I've seen people in the kingdom suffer through some of these over the years. I've suffered through some of these over the years. These are great principles. And they're just a high-level overview. Avoid debt. You know credit cards? If I have to spend much time talking about credit cards, we have other challenges here. Credit cards are not helpful to us. They're not. Avoid debt. And this is not just credit cards, by the way. It's just debt. Save money and pay with cash. It's a radical idea that the Lord was talking about. This was Solomon who put this down. It is a blessing to be generous and, and even essential to give. What, you know what's great about this? Is how, how right it is. It's so much fun to give. It feels so good. We've got somebody in here that likes to collect shot glasses. <laughs> He doesn't drink at all, not a drop. He hasn't drank for years. I'm just kidding. He doesn't drink. But he loves to collect shot glasses. And I enjoy giving him so much. And don't listen to his wife who says, no more shot glasses. She really wants him to have more because he enjoys it so much. No, we, we can't. We don't trust you. But, you know, when we give of money or items, when we help somebody, it feels so good. Some people never give. They don't know the feeling. And it's true, they never give. They're so busy holding on and being jealous for what they got. I can't possibly afford to give. The only way they're going to get my dollars is when they pry it for my cold, dead fingers. <laughs> Be honest in business transactions. You know, it says it. This is an old, uh, of course, this is an old verse, thousands of years old. It's amazing today how many believers try to go as close to the line of being honest as they can in, in business. And I've seen this 
And it's just really a bummer. Our testimony in business should be super crystal clear. And maybe it's not about money. Maybe it's just about work and how, you, how we go to work every day. Are we honest with our day? Are we honest with our day? Uh, we need to work. This is amazing in this society. We have to work. Welfare is a handy tool for people who are down in their luck at different times. Generational welfare is another deal. When there's an able-bodied person to work, the Bible says we need to work. People on second and third generations, there are people in America that have never worked. And I think, how do I reconcile never working with the Bible? You know what I'm talking about? Want to work? Or you want to eat? Get a job. Now, I know, okay, okay, I sound heartless. I know people go through hard times. I understand that. Uh, I'm not talking about the hard time situations. I'm talking about long-term generational welfare. Uh, this is also an interesting thing too. I've seen this. I've seen it happen in families where people in families don't have jobs and they will stay with each other. And usually, what happens? It's a parent or parents who take on adult children to come back in their home and they support their adult children. But the Bible says that. And I'm talking about long-term support. I'm not talking about going through hard times. We go through hard times. We need to help each other. I'm talking about the long-term stuff. We have to be very mindful. The Bible says if you want to eat, you got to work. So we need to be motivated to go get that job. You see what I'm talking about? It's a bold statement. I hope I don't offend anybody with this, but it's what the Bible says. Take care of what we have. Being a good steward. You know, this is a twofold thing. This usually, to most people, when we say be a good steward, usually it means we have to protect it. But we can overprotect something. We can be jealous about something to the point where it just sits in the shelf. As a church, this is an example, and I've said this before, as a church, we want to take care of our building, but we want to use it to death. We want to wear it out. We want to have to buy new carpet. We want to have to replace furniture because it just wears out. We want that because that means we're using it. It's being a good steward in use. Not just in taking care of, we want to take care of it, but we also want to use it, use it, use it, and use it. That means it's being done well, or being uh, stewarded well. See money for what it is, it's just money. I talked about that already, pay taxes. Uh, I've known some believers over the years who don't think they should pay taxes. I don't think the Bible can be any more clear in this. There's been some pretty high-profile believers who have gone to jail for not paying taxes. I don't, I don't understand that. Uh, so let that be a lesson to you, Judy. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Judy does our books here, so. Uh, and finally, this short list of mine, provide for family. You know, this is a fascinating thing. There's some time ago, this is some time ago, a woman who was about, uh, I'm a bad judge of age. She was visiting, she was about 30 or 35. She approached me and she said, I'm thinking about having this congregation be our, my congregation. I'm thinking about joining. Oh, that's wonderful, that's great. So nice to have you. And, and she said, yes, and you should know that uh, I'm a widow. And I'm like, oh, I, that's terrible. I'm, you know, she, she was young and it was terrible and sad. And, and she said, also, I was an orphan. Oh man, that's a double whammy. You've just had, a, clearly you've had a tough time. And I'm thinking like, why are you telling me this? I just met you, you know what I mean? Right. So she's a widow and an orphan, and, 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 and then she said, so you need to know so you can support me. <laughs> it was a short conversation and she didn't come back. Now I'm not trying to be mean, she's got family members. Go to family first. Do you know, 
Do you know this is not a bank? You know that? It's it's church. Not a bank. We don't operate like a bank. It's a radical thought. Now, we've been able to help and bless people who have gone through tough times in the past. We're not a bank. We're a church. So we need to know as family, we take care of family. If my parents would need help, I'm sure somebody would help. (laughs) I would like to think that I would step up. If my kids needed help, I would like to think that I would step up. My wife and I would pool our resources and do it. Wouldn't that be be the way to think? So we just have to keep that in mind. Money is... I, I, you know, people get so concerned about how they buy or how they keep. It's interesting. Okay, so what I didn't put on this list, and, and it would be silly to, to neglect it, is tithe. How do we talk about biblical principles and not mention anything about tithe? I'm not going to spend a long time on tithe today. But I do want to mention it. Okay, so let's look at it, Maddie. Let's look at this verse. This is Jesus talking to the Pharisees, and I'm really, I really, I need you to know that I really struggled with the tithe pieces of this message. Did you, it was a lot like last week. I'm very frustrated by it. Okay, but I'll read the verse first. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Jesus is talking to people who are, they act the life, but they don't have the relationship. Hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income. He's talking to tithers. You tie the even, tiniest income from your herb, your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, faith, faith. You should tithe. Yes. What did he say about tithing? You should tithe. You should tithe. Yes. I don't know where tithe is in the Bible, Jim. But do not neglect the more important things. There are things that are more important than money. Amen? Faith. Justice. Mercy. Blind guides. You strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. You're missing the whole point, he's saying. But remember, what did he say about tithe? Do it. Okay, now here's my frustration. This is two weeks in a row of frustration. You're going to wipe frustration off your face again? This is going to be short, though. I was working on this message, and I could not believe a trend that I found. There's a growing trend in in churches all across America. I can't speak to the world, but I can speak to America. And I'm like losing my mind over this. They are saying that you don't have to tithe anymore. What? What did he say? Now, now tithing goes way back, and it starts in the, in the time we see the first offering actually came from Cain, Cain and Abel, right? These two guys, the brothers, they go present offering. We say it la- later on, Noah's there after the flood, he builds an offering, an altar, he has offering. We see off, uh, tithing, uh, the specific word tithing. Tithing means tenth, by the way. People say, I tithe, I'll tithe 20 bucks, I make, you know, the thousand, but I tithe 20. That's not the tenth. That's not a tithe. So tithe means tenth. So we see the first tithe mentioned really with Abraham, and he's approaching Melchizedek, this priest, and he ties a tenth, okay, a tenth of what he's got. He ties a tenth to, the, to Melchizedek. 
And then we know later on it comes in the law. Moses writes it down and he puts it, uh, it's part of the Mosaic law, to tithe, to do this. So when Jesus shows up and he goes through this passage, he's talking to people who are familiar with these things, and he's saying to them, yes, you should tithe. This is good. So here's the part that stands out to me, and this is what really confuses me. When churches preach that you don't need to tithe anymore, they say all the Bible do, it says give generously. Go ahead, Maddie, let's look at that give generously for a minute. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Oh, they say, this, and they say in the New Covenant, all we have to do is give generously. Didn't say tithe. Maddie, go back one slide. That's the New Covenant. Maddie, go forward a slide. We're still in the New Covenant. Anybody else confused? They're both in the New Covenant. He clearly is calling out the positive reaction. To, he has a positive reaction to tithing. And then later on, Paul's talking about gracious giving. This is an offering. This is a separate function. There are tithes and there are offerings. And in the Old Testament, there were tithes and offerings. In the New Covenant, we see tithes and offerings. In fact, if we were to go to the very next chapter, we would see a long section of the chapter that's talking, is Paul telling them how to give an offering. But I've heard preachers say, no, he's talking about the generous act of giving. Paul actually, when he talks about giving, a number of times, multiple places in the New Testament, he says, he spells out, he connects verses to the Old Testament. He says, for it was written that, in the Old Testament, and he refers back to offerings in the Old Testament, not tithings. So there, we know clearly there's tithing and there's offering. There's, we give a tenth that goes to the storehouse. That's your church, wherever your church is. I hope this is your church. So it goes to your church, and then you, you do offerings on top of it and give generously. We can't outgive God. Now, the reason why I want to tell you, and I want to be very blunt, we're not going to spend time on this. This is something of an aside. There are churches who are starting to preach, if it happened in the Old Testament, we don't have to do it. And I've actually heard a New Testament, uh, a modern-day New Testament theologian, a specialist in the New Testament, who teaches in an evangelical Bible college, He's, he's actually written material, and he says, Jesus makes statements before he dies. We don't have to listen to those. We only have left to listen to the statements he makes after he resurrects. <coughs> Not in this house. Not here. We're going to listen to everything that he says. Because he rose. Silly. I fasted and I prayed and I sought the Lord why that craziness happened and he spoke. They're from Illinois. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So tithing. Let me just go through a couple of real simple points on tithing. Tithing is, is giving a tenth. Goes to the storehouse. Keeps our lights on. Congregation, we tithe, we send money all over. You know, if I had more time, I would really lay all this stuff out. I apologize for that. But we do tithe as a congregation. We send money to uh, congregations in Israel. We send them to congregations in the Philippines. We uh, 
support a number of things, but we do keep our lights on. We buy our Sunday school curriculum. We save, we're saving, saving, saving right now. Maybe someday we'll, you know, I'm gonna say this, and I don't want you to think we have plans for this because we don't, but maybe we would buy a new building someday. Maybe not. Maybe someday we'll send it to another church and we'll be able to help them. Maybe not. Maybe someday, so we want to be prudent with our money. Maybe we'll have to replace our carpeting. Praise God, that means it's worn out. Are you with me on this? Yeah. But we believe in these things. We do offerings. You know, we have special speakers. We take offerings for them. I don't want to be a tightwad, you know. Special speaker comes. Here, here's a quarter, buddy. That was a nice job. Give generously. And do it with a smile on our face. Because it's a way to show that we're not hung up in envy and we're not hung up in jealousy. Amen? We're not worried about that stuff. I want to share, I want to close with a couple things. I just have my simple tithing testimonies in life. You know, people will say, I can't afford to tithe. God wants all of us. He doesn't just want us when we can afford it. He wants all of us. He wants all parts of us. He wants our wallet. He wants our heart. He wants our wallet to reflect our heart. That's really what he's about. He wants all of us. How could we afford not to tithe? So my first tithing testimony, this is very much for my wife and I. Uh, I had a job in the 80s and I made good money for a young guy without any skills. And I worked in a shop and the housing market took a downturn and I was laid off as a result of that. Praise God, I got a new job. The bummer was it was 50% of the pay as my old job. So we were negative, we, I figured this out, we just were just young and dumb, but we were negative $5 a month before groceries. How do you tithe? How do you tithe when you're negative five bucks a month anyway and you wanna eat? But we did anyway. It was the most amazing year. It was a year before we finally had something, we, we took one step of, we got a little bit of money in a year. I mean, a very little bit of money, but we got a little bit of money. But And we thought, you know what? We're going to tithe anyway. We're going to tithe because we know it says in Malachi 3, test God. If you tithe, test God. So we, okay, we're going to tithe. And you know, that, that Malachi 3 statement about testing God, it's the only time we see to test him. Where he actually says, go ahead, go ahead, try me. See if I do it. So we did. And we had the most, I, there was two different months in, it was over, just over a year, it was more, just over 12 months, 13 or 14 months or whatever it was before we got this extra money. We had two of those 12 months, we had people bring groceries to our house. Now think about how random that is. Here we are watching TV, ding dong, we go to the door, there's a couple people with a few bags of groceries. Why are you here and why do you have food? So they brought them to our house, hey, you know, the Lord just really relayed my heart that you guys, we just wanted to bless you with food. Oh, okay. So we opened a refrigerator door and all we had in there was like, you know, mayonnaise and ketchup. <laughs> and we ate very well. There was better food than we bought for ourselves. That happened two times. We had money that we got shuffled. I remember that Christmas thinking like, well, no one's getting any gifts. No gifts for anybody. Somebody uh, gave us $100 about two weeks before Christmas. And they said, here's your Christmas money. And it was not a family member, it was a total, it was a random person we hardly even knew. They just felt really led to give us $100. We thought, wow, it's 100 bucks. Woohoo! What do we do? And we decided to set aside for Christmas. So we prayed about it. We actually prayed. I remember sitting and saying, God, we got $100. We have a $100 bill. 
help us buy something for Christmas. And we did, I don't, you know, between my family and my wife's family, there's a whole bunch of people to buy for. And we got some of the very best deals we've ever gotten. And we had more fun giving those Christmas presents that year than any other year that we've been married. Because God just, it was miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And I think most of the people like this stuff. Um, Two times I was laid off. If you've been laid off, you know that. Or I was, my wife was laid off once I was laid off. And we needed both incomes. So if you've been laid off, you know it can be a challenge to be laid off, right? You know that the sudden disruption in your income can be a little scary. And at each time, we got new jobs when we had spent our savings down to nothing. But we paid our bills, and we were okay. And then once we got those jobs, God grew us. And we've had other people here. I know there's one person in particular, and I don't want to go into other people's stories like this, their money stories publicly, but I know somebody who's laid off here three times, uh, married with kids, laid off three times, and each time, same thing. They hit this low point, they bounce back. And it got to be, they were like, no, oh, well, ah, here we go again. They're tither, and they just knew God was going to take care of them. My wife and I, got knew, we knew God was going to take care of us. Some of your stories, I've heard stories from some of you, and they're amazing money stories. Tithing, God-blessing stories. If you want to see God move in your life, if you don't tithe, tithe. Watch. It's the most amazing thing. Uh, another story, and I've shared this before, but I, it's, it's very unique, and I, it, it just to me is, I want to share it again. So there was a young man, and we were talking years ago, and he said, Jim, I can't afford to tithe. You don't understand. I can't afford to tithe. He said, how much do you make? He said, I make $400 a week, and I can't afford to tithe off my $400 a week. I said, all right, let's pray about it. God, please help him figure out how to tithe his 40 bucks. You know, show, show him what to do, and he needs courage and take that step. And so we finished the prayer and the guy looked at me he's like, well, okay, well, thanks a lot, but I can't afford to do it. I don't know what I'm going to do. So he leaves. He comes back in about three minutes later. And when he left, it was just pouring rain, a good summer downpour. And he came back sopping wet. I mean, just soaked to the bone. And he's holding a leather wallet, like a, like, kind of like a checkbook, but there's nothing in it. He said, look, Jim, this was in the puddle in a great big deep, like kind of the reservoir, you know, like a little river in the road. And he sees this at nighttime, the shape. So he bends and he picks up the shape and it's this wallet and he opens it up and there's two 20s in it. And I said, whoa, we just prayed. This is cool. You can tithe your 40 bucks. And he said, no. Why not? Because God knew I needed money. What? Do you know the sad thing is? He stopped coming to church about six weeks after that. Why? Because it was his heart. It wasn't it was his money. God didn't need 40 bucks. This is God. Who rose his son from the dead? Does he need $40? It's about a heart. crying out loud. (laughs) I really can go on and on about money stories. I just want to encourage you. Trust God with the money principles in the word. Whatever they are, trust him. Trust him. They will not let you down. 
If you're in debt, and I want to say this is something I'm going to decide. If you're in debt and you think, yep, I'd love to be debt-free, Jim. I don't know what to do. I have a solution for you. And this is going to sound very simplistic, but it's a good one if you want to see God move. If you don't, tune me out. Make your decision yet? Okay. If you want to be debt-free, we know the Bible is all about not encouraging debt. It's crystal clear. All through the Bible. The Bible is not pro-debt. So if you want to be debt-free, since we know that God isn't a pro-debt kind of God, just say, God, I'm going to work. We're going to work as a family. I'm going to work to get out of debt. Will you help me? Make a budget and just watch how everything works out. Because God will honor his word. But now you got to tithe in there. you got to tithe. It's a hard attitude. But if you give God that part, you watch it succeed. It's glorious. Do you want to see the Lord move? Open your wallet. Um, also, this is a quick an aside, but it's good to say, kind of my disclaimer, we don't tithe to get rich. God will provide our needs not to get rich. I've known people to say, all right, I'm going to give you the most money, God, so you can give me more. It's not exactly how it works. He said he takes care of our needs. He doesn't give us a fat bank account. But the money principles are much bigger than that. Are you with me? So I just want to encourage you with this. Stay true to the money principles in the Word of God, and you'll see God move. Please stand up. Lord, we do thank you for these principles. We know that you're so much greater than our wallets. We appreciate that you love us for us and that what is money is just a sliver to you. Lord, thank you for being interested in all parts of our life. Thank you for the calling in our life to draw close to you, to, be, to spend more time with you. Thank you for the calling and the hope we have in you and the eternity opportunities we have with you and what that means for us right here on earth today. Lord, I pray for blessings on everybody. I pray that we understand more deeply these money principles, any principles in your word. Thank you for this house. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Boy, there's something about peace over money, isn't there? There's something about it. Thank you again for downloading and listening to this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if you are looking for a church to call home or would like to visit us for one of our services, please visit our site at gracecf.us for our location and service times. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.